Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see everyone. Our abbot, Galen Roshi, is not with us in person today because she is in Los Angeles attending the preliminary 700-year memorial service for Kazan Joaquin Zenji. Preliminary 700-year memorial service. The formal one, uh, Kazan Zenji, was the founder of Sojiji Monastery, one of the two large original monasteries of Sotozen. And I'm assuming that the, the, the formal memorial service is going to be held, I'm assuming, at Sojiji Monastery in Japan in April of 2024. So we have a year to venerate the teachings and uh, of, of Kaisan Zenji. It's been some time since somebody in this seat has, I think, has, has recited the poem that I like to recite today or read. Um, it seems like a good time to do it. It's uh, Mary Oliver's Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes over the prairies and the deep trees the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in, the clean, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination. Calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. I was inspired to read that poem this morning because not too long ago I was driving in traffic and I came up behind this car at a stoplight and it had a bumper sticker on the bumper that said, honk if you're letting the soft animal of your body love what it loves. <laughs> so I, I didn't, you know, I confess I didn't honk. <laughs> I was inspired though. <laughs> you, you don't have to know the poem to be uh, kind of touched by that bumper sticker, I think. And I feel fortunate to have known enough to go back and read the poem again. Um, and some people might, you know, it's kind of funny, but some people might get upset to put this, to invoke this beautiful poem on a, on a bumper sticker, but, but uh, it is an accessible form of communication. And, uh, and it's kind of, uh, you know, what else does a goose do but honk? 
<laughs> the next line, the next line is, tell me about your despair. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it what, love what it loves. Now tell me about your despair. That means something's not not going too well, and or it seems like it's not going too well. I'll put it that way. And 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 there's sort of two people imagined here, at least two. Tell me yours, and I'll tell you mine. That's a really good way to work with it despair, or as Shakyamuni Buddha called it, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness. Um, and, and, and Shakyamuni Buddha also had a, some suggestions about how to work with, work with that unsatisfactoriness or suffering, as some people call it. Um, unsatisfactoriness is probably a more accurate translation. It's a little bit clunky. So, uh, and one of the major methods that I'll call it a method that Shakyamuni Buddha suggested for practicing with unsatisfactoriness is called Satipatthana. It's described in detail in the Satipatthana Sutta, which is called also the Four Establishments of Mindfulness. And Satipatthana is basically about paying attention to our own awareness. And it's practiced by through mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of the mind, and mindfulness of mental formations. And this is something that we can do pretty much all the time because we most of us, definitely myself included, are seem to be gifted with a like seemingly uninterrupted stream of potential unsatisfactoriness. <laughs> and uh, sometimes there are some real problems, and I don't want to minimize those by any means, but um, we have a lot of material to work with. When I was about eight years old, or maybe I was exactly eight years old, I guess I was, because I got a watch for my birthday. It was a Timex. And <laughs> I was playing outside like an eight-year-old boy, and I looked at my new watch, and I realized that my favorite TV show was about to come on. And if I hurried, I could get there before it started. So I ran home which wasn't too far away. And I ran in the front door and I ran into the den and I saw the TV was on. I thought, great, but it was on the wrong channel. So I turned the channel and ran out of the room and went to the bathroom. And then I came back and what I hadn't seen when I was there before was that my dad was lying in this recliner watching his favorite show on TV and I turned the channel off of it and left. <laughs> and when I got back, he taught me a little lesson about respect. <laughs> and he was actually very kind about it, but uh, I haven't forgotten it. <laughs> so many years later, and this is, you know, this is kind of like a little lesson on karma. 
many years later, actually within the past few months, my wife, Mrs. Peaceful Forest, <laughs> uh, started doing some kind of thing that got on my nerves a little bit. And, and what it was, what, what it is, is, or was, she and I leave the apartment at the same time at six o'clock in the morning. And she goes to practice with her exercise sangha. And I come here to practice with this sangha. And I noticed not too long ago that she started turning out the lights a little bit too early <laughs> for my taste. Like I was, already, I was still in the room and I was still doing stuff and she turned the light out. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. I'll, I'll, let me see if I could work with that. <laughs> I thought this might, this might be a good opportunity, you know, to uh, practice Satipatthana. Uh, how does my body feel? Well, I got all this kind of like, mm, it happens. I get peeved. I, you know, I, I get kind of miffed. It's like, it's like a reflex. I don't like it. Light goes out. It's not like I can't navigate in a darkened room because I do that a lot. But but if somebody turns the light out, it's sort of like, ah, it doesn't feel good. But I didn't say anything about it because I wanted to see what happens. I practiced with it for several weeks. And it sort of happened most every day. So I had plenty of chance. <laughs> and, um, you know, I thought, hey, I remember turning out the turning the channel on my dad, I think, I mean, this is payback time. <laughs> and um, so anyway, eventually I had practiced with it for long enough that I felt like I could approach it in an equanimous, loving, mindful way and bring it up for discussion. And uh, it, I, I eventually got to that point and, and it seemed like a natural thing to bring this up. And I thought I was really skillful about bringing it up. And she said something like, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> again, I didn't bring it up for a while. <laughs> uh, I know uh, this is not a big problem. I, I want to say, I know there's some really serious problems in life, and this is not one of them. It's everyday, everyday disappointment or something, you know. Um, but listen to this. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes, over the prairies and the deep trees, and the mountains and the rivers. So, these problems, if we if we see them, this any kind of a problem, if we see it from a certain point of view, it's contained within a container that's much larger than the problem itself. Actually, the problem, actually the container, if you really examine the container, the container is boundless. And it helps a lot to remember this. So eventually the discussion came up again, and I learned something this time. I, I, 
don't know how it happened exactly, but I, you know, why, why is it that you want, can't we like do this thing where the last person out, out of the room turns off the line? <laughs> and Mrs. Peaceful Forest said, well, you know, you haven't been very good about turning out lights anytime lately. <laughs> so really? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's legitimate feedback. I, I can work with that. So it was kind of like for her, it was more about the lights. Let's conserve energy here. I want to make sure this gets done. It was practical and it was concerned with conservation. And for me, it was a, about feelings. I told her that, well, this, you know, this is not, oh, well, why didn't you say so? Uh, <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I, yeah, we can, yeah, let's work, let, we can do this. And then she went out and did something really touching, which was she bought a motion-sensitive nightlight and put it right by the door so that when we were moving around, the light would come on, you know, a little bit of light. It was a kind of a really nice reminder for me of the resolution of this problem. It sort of evaporated. <clears throat> it was a happy ending. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, at our one day sitting, part of what I talked about was the story of Dashan, who was a scholar monk who specialized in the Diamond Sutra and he, he was a, like an expert on the Diamond Sutra and he gave lectures on it. And I guess he was proud of his commentaries, but he maybe felt like something was missing a little bit. And he, was, he wasn't a Zen monk, but he was, he was interested in Zen. And he finally found a teacher in Longtan, Chongqing, also known as Dragon Pond, who he went to for help and he read and he, they talked about, he, he actually gave a good entrance. He, he, he said, oh, I've come to the dragon pond here and uh, um, I don't see a pond and, and, I, and I haven't seen a dragon yet either. And dragon pond looked at him and said, welcome to dragon pond. And then they talked for a while and he told dragon pond about his studies of the Diamond Sutra and how this was important to him. And they, they talked about life and eventually it got late. Dragon Pond said, hey, it's dark outside and you don't know your way around here. Let me give you this lantern to help you find your way to your quarters. And he lit this lantern and gave it to Deshaun and Deshaun took it and he blew it out. So complete darkness. This is the story that I was thinking of when the light was getting turned. <laughs> so in the story, Dishon was greatly enlightened. <laughs> Shouldn't I be greatly enlightened? <laughs> um, it's not the same story, but it, 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 it vibrated, you know? It made it, I, I, I thought, well, let, let me study this story too. In the Harmony of Difference and Equality, it says, 
in the light, there's darkness, but don't take it as darkness. In the dark, there's light, but don't see it as light. Light and dark oppose one another like the front and back foot in walking. Each of the myriad things has its merit expressed according to function and place. Now, in walking, the poem says the front and the back foot oppose one another. They're not opposing one another like they're against each other. They're opposing one another like they're juxtaposed. And they're actually working together. They depend on each other, light and dark. Then this other image comes up of Ehe Dogen Senji that we, we chanted just this morning. Learn the backward step that turns your light inwardly to illuminate yourself. Body and mind of themselves will drop away and your original face will be manifest. If you want to attain suchness, you should practice suchness without delay. Don't forget, meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clear blue sky are heading home again.